Hello, welcome to the Breadwinners. I'm Jennifer Owens. I'm Rachel Ellison. This is the show where we talk about everything work and family. And I don't know, trees and dogs and cats and <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're talking about everything. And, you know, we're also talking about rating and reviewing. Please rate and review our show. It really helps. Please do. And follow us on the socials. Send us questions and comments. We'd love to get them. And, and pick up some of our merch. Oh, our Breadwinners merch. We've got some fantastic. I am wearing right now my Breadwinners sweatshirt. <gasps> We've got these. mugs. we got stickers. we got the whole. we got t-shirts. you got to check it out. Check, go to our social socials and check out. Oh, I hope our, we have mouse merch. pads. <laughs> <laughs> remember everything was on a mouse pad? I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. Oh, we date ourselves. We really do. But that, you know, hey, that's what we do. So... Well, uh, you know, it's about the never-ending hustle. Are you ready to hustle? I'm ready. Let's hustle it. Okay. We're going to hustle. We're going to hustle. So today our topic is a phrase, two words. No, no. Actually, three words. Sounds like, it sounds like uh, something that I heard when I got pregnant the first time and then began to see on posters and pamphlets everywhere when I was a pregnant lady. And the phrase is, breast is best. It was short, it's snappy, alliterative. What is not to love? And so we are going to talk about where that phrase, breast is best, comes from. Okay. And we're going to talk about, is that phrase actually even true? So, yeah, sure. Because, you know, it it wouldn't be uh, fun if it wasn't got a twist ending. So let's, uh, oh, did I already give away the twist ending? (laughs) Okay, so first, uh, when you were pregnant, as a fellow former pregnant lady, what mm-hmm. was your take on uh, breastfeeding? Were you going to, you know, like dedicated to do it and, you know, you were on board? I was on board. I was on yeah, board. I have kind of a long, long sorted story, but we'll get into it. And yeah. uh, the intention was breast is best. That was the intention. Oh, for sure. Right. I, it was, um, there's something about the sense of, well, A, I mean, it's just some, it's this magical thing our bodies can do. And isn't that mm-hmm. amazing? But also that I think there was a sense that it carries through, like the caring, uh, for those of us who have done it, the caring of this baby, <laughs> for me, it was like having a friend. This <laughs> is so weird. But like, I would like in my head, I would have these like mental conversations with the babies, you know, be sitting in the meetings going, huh, so how's it going in there? You know, what's going on? <laughs> and I, I, breastfeeding was kind of like, you know, you spent all that time when you were pregnant thinking, well, I can't have like soft cheeses. Like that'll, the, the entire yeah. world will crumble if I would have an unpasteurized soft cheese or is it like strawberry. And it's been so long, but like, weren't like you couldn't do have strawberries or something. There were all kinds of things you couldn't have. Strawberries. Then, I don't remember that. I don't know. Maybe that was actually after the kid is born. I really have like put aside all this knowledge. Like for a while or something. And then uh, then you would read all those stories that like new moms in France drink wine, you know, like and you and then like in some, some other country, they, you know, they eat soft cheeses and it's like, wait, how, what, you know. So, yes, I was completely on board. And I think part of it was the like, if I do everything right, nothing bad can happen. Right. And this was the mm-hmm. right way to do everything. So. Well, okay. So here's my lightning yeah, round. Yeah, that We're is starting that. Off. There is that logic. 
How many babies in the U.S. started out with breastfeeding? Oh, God. I, I'm going to just ask for... Uh, <laughs> Would you like the phone, friend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or give me the... Yeah. Okay. I got nothing. 2015, the CDC reported that 83% of U.S. babies started out being breastfed. 83%. 83. Huh. That was high. No? Yeah. It's, that, that seems... That seems extremely high to me. I mean, the 83% of anything seems Yeah, high, exactly. You know? Exactly. And the rate of women who said they continued breastfeeding at six months rose to 52% from 42% a decade prior. Okay. Which is a lot. So, yeah. So here's the thing, though. If we think about it a moment, we did not always believe that breast was best. And likely... Your mom didn't. My my mom always talks about like when she had me, you know, they put you in twilight and then remember like they would you yeah. go in and, and then they kind of, <laughs> I don't even know. And then you stayed in the hospital for like two weeks and, you know, like they took care of you. And they right. literally when I went off, I think it was Gwen, they were like, well, we're going to try to it like the, the way the insurance covered you that like if Gwen was born after midnight. It would count the day would start, you know, like all this sort yeah, of like yeah, I totally remember that. stuff because they Correct. want you out. What is it like one day for a vaginal birth and like yeah, two nights for a C-section or something? I mean, it's just, you know, well, yeah, back in those days when our moms had us, they weren't pushing breastfeeding. They were, you know, formula was the was the king, you know, that this is science. And I don't know. I, I feel moms. like I feel like it. You're younger than me, so yes. a little bit. <laughs> no, but I, but I, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't feel like formula was ever. Actually, I'm okay. sure that formula was not a question for my mom. Like she, she wasn't going to do it. She only oh, wanted to do really. That. Yeah, you know, I should. Yeah, ask, she uh, never. My mom formula. is listening. We'll have to ask my mom what she thought. But I do think that going through the you know fifties. Coming into the '60s, formula was a big thing. You know, yeah, formula no, was I totally you were doing right, right by your baby. And so, in 2003, when Gwen was born, the hospital sent us home with samples of formula, and I had to make a huge squawk when she arrived that I was going to breastfeed. We have a whole long story about the pediatrician and all this sort of stuff, but I basically had to fight for. For that, and they were like, "Well, okay, Mrs. Sunshine, then you, we will wake you up every two hours, and we will make you." And they were kind of sticking it to me after my C section. Oh, interesting. And I did it, and yeah. I, and because you know, God help us. And then three years later, with Owen, same hospital, no samples of formulas, and no questions mm. about breastfeeding. They brought him to me. Hmm, interesting. And so that's the question I have because then. So Owen is 15. Is your oldest 12? 12. 12. Yes, he's like, we're in like these three week, three year, you know, leapfrogging. So. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting for me when my oldest was born, Sonia, she had to go into the critical care unit mm. and they, not critical care. The NICU? It wasn't the NICU. It wasn't the NICU. I oh, think it was okay. critical care maybe. But she had a fever. So they they not only gave her formula, 
even though I was like, no, I'll free- feed her, but they, yeah. they had to give her formula. So they gave her formula and then they sent us home with like a whole thing of formula. And then I essentially breastfed her for the next three months. And then I got injured and then I couldn't because I was on too many. I fell oh. and broke my ankle. So long story short, I couldn't breastfeed her for a long time. Fast forward to three years later to when I went and got my son, had my son, I was so much more comfortable with breastfeeding. I mean, sorry, with bottle feeding, like I thought it was fine. And they were yeah. like, absolutely not. <gasps> and I was really? like, you could just take him and, you know, and like, I'll sleep because I know that I'm, you know, like, yeah. I'm okay with that. And they were like, no, we're not doing that. We're not giving him any formula. You need to breastfeed him every wow. single day. I was like, okay. You know, and it wasn't, wow. it wasn't like I, you know, it was interesting. Yeah, so that, it's very that's interesting. Experience. Well, so th- that it's, you know, we're, so Courtney Jung is a political scientist and a University of Toronto professor. And so she wanted to look at kind of how did we get to 83% of women uh, of babies breastfeeding, I guess, and 83% of new moms mm-hmm. breastfeeding. And so she is going to be uh, the star of this episode because I did an interview with her a couple of years ago when her book, Lactivism, came out. And mm-hmm. it just is interesting because it's a, it's, a, it's a cultural shift of that we all right. agree. We, we as a culture agree on certain beliefs. And so this is one of them. And so she says in her book, that not long ago, the supermodel Giselle Bunchen displayed an unexpected flair for policy reform when she called for a worldwide law requiring women to breastfeed for six months. In Saudi Arabia, women are legally mm. obligated to breastfeed for two years. Here in the U.S., politicians and policymakers have stopped short of legislation legislating breastfeeding. But they have decided that breastfeeding should be viewed as a matter of public policy rather than personal choice. And so they, the Mm. CEC, I'm sorry that I don't know what the CEC is, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the U.S. Surgeon General have all identified breastfeeding as a public health issue. And it, this Mm. declaration places formula feeding on par with smoking and unsafe sex as a form of risky behavior that threatens not only individual health, but American society at large. So that's pretty bold, man. I'm sending you another quote from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Okay. So this is Dr. Richard Chandler, who's the chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics section on breastfeeding. He explained in an interview, this is a health issue for the better health of our infants. So why are we just leaving it up to the whim of the family to do whatever they feel like? Huh. I mean, um, what? <laughs> like, huh? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so she, she notes that this is in fact, so many people agree that political science identify breastfeeding as a consensus issue that unites people who would otherwise disagree about everything else. I'm going to give you this quote because this cracks me up. Here we come. Feminists and fundamentalists, yuppies and hippies, conservatives and liberal, the medical establishment and its alternative medicine critics, for all their differences, they're aligned on this particular issue. 
Okay. And she says, the problem is that these unlikely bedfellows not only believe in breastfeeding and practice it themselves, they often believe that anyone else should do it too. Breastfeeding is no longer just a way to feed a baby. It's a moral marker that distinguishes us from them, good parents from bad. And I think that's what makes this so interesting to me because I totally viscerally felt that, right? That if I was a breastfeeding mom, I was Mm -hmm. a good mom. You know, like, yeah, and everyone would see it that way, I guess. In my head, I don't know if it's true that you see it, if you see it, but in my head, I believe that you will judge me a good parent because I breastfeed. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I had a very unique experience, but the fact that I wasn't able to breastfeed was a huge blow to my sense of my identity as a mom. Like I felt it was a really big hit, but obviously, you know, when my son was born, I had a little bit less, issues. Yeah, (laughs) but then I did breastfeed him for two years. So, you know, but I, I think that it's, it's rough, isn't it? (laughs) It's rough. And then, you know, I used to run new moms groups for moms who were going back to work and with tiny babies. And I remember Maybe we're going to talk about this. La Leche League. Yeah. Are we talking about La Leche League? Uh, well, explain what La Leche is for those who don't know. My understanding is that it's kind of an association and a kind of like a resource to support breastfeeding. And, and lactation they run, consultants, like they'll, yeah. they brought in, um, La Leche showed up in my uh, hospital room with Gwen, you know, like just to check oh, yeah. that. That I had all the whatever I needed, which, by the way, if you're trying the first, you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) No, you think it's kind of, you know, whatever. And they're and they do the thing where they just like move the baby's head like slightly. And you're like, oh, (laughs) so, you know, (laughs) thank you for the the good tips. And, you know, oh, the cream, you know, like, uh, like, let's, you know. It's super uh, painful in some ways. And then, oh, and then when the baby gets teeth, awesome. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's when it all yeah, comes All those things, they do that, but they're also advocates. They're strong yeah. advocates. You know, they, it's, they see this as, you know, a calling. And, and like the good doctor is saying, you know, let's not leave it up to the whim of the family. Let's, you know, advocate that this is the way it needs to be. Exactly. No. And I think that, I mean, I don't agree. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think. Um, but it's in your head. I think that's what, that's the thing is it's in our head. It's so much so that um, I once worked with someone who was out of the gate was like, yeah, I'm not breastfeeding. And um, I felt it. And which is what got me so interested in this issue. I immediately went, oh, you're a terrible, you know, like, I don't know what it was just this like visceral thing came up of like, I judged her in my head, didn't say anything. And but oh, immediately had to think to myself, why do I care? It took me about five minutes, you know, like I, I, I cycled right. around that pretty fast. But when that pops up, it's like, wait, wait, why would I judge this woman in any way? Is she feeding her baby? Yes. Right. Right. You know, like, is she caring for this baby? Is she is she literally supporting this baby? Yeah. Why yeah. do I care how she feeds it? Right. Well, you know? I, I, yeah. I mean, I think what got to me was like some of the stuff that it's the extreme. It's the extent that I saw 
in these mom support groups, right? So I had moms who were going to, to La Leche meetings and the rules and rituals around the breast milk were so intense. Ooh. Like this one mom came in and was like, you know, she needed to go back to work. So she had started pumping. And so the La Leche people, um, we're probably going to get flack for this. So I maybe. <laughs> so, I apologize now. I do. Thank you so much for all that you did. But. <laughs> but they were sort of trying to mandate like, okay, if you pump at four o'clock, that's the milk oh. that the baby needs to eat the next day at four o'clock. And if you like all of the times need to match up with the time of day that you. Yes. Or pumped. you're a bad mom. Or you're a bad mom. And and these moms were like absolutely beside themselves. You know, this one particular one I remember was like, I don't understand how how I could do that. Possibly and make I, all this happen. Right. And, you know, and my policy as a facilitator of those groups was like, you know, I don't prescribe anything. I don't right. say do it. I don't say don't do it. I don't say, you know, I, I there was no judgment. But, it, but at that point, I was like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> I was like, no, I was just like, your yep. sanity is, is paramount here. And if, you know, and you, you need to, you know, you, uh, maybe I didn't do too. it exactly I don't like know. that, but yeah. Well, and here's where it comes. I, I was preparing for our episode and I found um, this PBS news, our article. Okay. So but research has long shown that breastfeeding is the best way to nourish an infant, boost their immune system, prevent them from being sick or being coming overweight or obese, and forge bonding between mother and child. It can also help maternal health. And experts said that after this was something President Trump had said, low-income impoverished areas where breastfeeding can make the biggest improvements, to which I wrote to myself, breast milk is magic! I mean... And that, this is PBS NewsHour. News it's just accepting that all things, breast milk is this magical elixir. And, mm -hmm. and maybe it is, but now we're going to pivot a little bit because it's important to note, like the women in your group, they're working moms. And so we're not mm -hmm. talking about breastfeeding in this country. We're talking about breast pumping, which is a particularly American thing because we don't have paid maternity leave. So when right. it's so specifically putting all these onuses on these women of like, you got to pump at four o'clock. And then if you at right. four or five, you got to do this. Yeah. That woman needs to go back to work for any reason why she's going back to work, but likely is going back to work to support her family. Yeah. yeah she's not going to be able to do any of that. And she's certainly not going to do it breastfeeding directly to her infant. She is going to be what they call expressing milk. She's going to be, then taking, and I'm speaking from years of experience, taking the pump, finding a place to pump. This was, I'm before the American Care Act that um, I used to pump in a rotating network of conference rooms when I was at Footwear News. And then you put, you put it in the bottle. I had a little cooler that had an ice pack. Then I'd take the milk home. I'd put the milk into little supply bags, you know, and then you'd freeze the mm -hmm. milk. Because you try to get ahead of yourself because then I would bring the milk and it would go to daycare with baby Gwen or baby Owen and they would warm up the milk gently and then feed the milk to the baby. And this is called breast pumping. That is not breastfeeding. 
And all of our Uh public policies are about breast pumping, facilitating pumping, making pumping easier, making pumping cheaper, which is Mm -hmm. expressly an American response to, and this is, I'm quoting from Professor Jung, the contradiction between what the American Academy of Pediatrics says is, we need six months of breastfeeding and the absence of a federally mandated paid maternity leave. So, yes. And that's yes. what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so, pumping is compatible with U.S. government policies because it's business friendly, she writes. And it's sure. all about maintaining sure. a competitive economy and labor force. It's not primarily a benefit to mothers and children. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which right. I, I love. Like, let's, let's just call it while we call it. So, yeah. Here's the thing, though. That when she starts looking into the research, all that it's going to cure, you know, obesity and it's going to be for immunity and it's all this sort of stuff. The research is regarding breastfeeding, not breast pumping. There's absolutely no research into whether or not breast pumping changes the milk in some way. It's not, we don't know the impact of freezing and refrigerating it, heating it? Does it reduce the risk of infection or reduce the... Oh, interesting. All of that. So she's not saying it will or it won't. She's just saying that the research is not there. Mm -hmm. And she says that a lot of the research too, because you can't know this, that breastfeeding, the value of the mom holding the baby and communicating. I mean, isn't that one of the joys of breastfeeding? Is that yeah. quiet moment of communing with your little one and, you yeah. know, you, you're talking to, talking to her and, you know, just relaxing. And there, there is, they know the physical, you know, there is a, the endorphin or whatever that, that relaxes yeah, oxytocin you. Oxytocin or whatever it is. Yeah. They, we don't know. We don't know because the research is about like immediate, breast milk mm-hmm. and as opposed to frozen and rewarm breast milk. Got it. And so when you say breast is best, could be, totally could be. And I right. totally bought into it. And I do, I wanted to be the one also, I think there's an ego thing. This is what I've always, like, I think back of it yeah. now, only I can, you know, I created this baby. I gave birth. And I will continue and somehow I will create some sort of magical halo that nothing bad can happen to my baby because I am figuring out this breast pumping business, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I saw it as something that I could do to protect my babies when I couldn't be with them. Yeah. But yeah, you know, but, and I, I breastfed both of mine for a year. So I'm totally pro breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them uh, was supplemented with formula. The other, I was able to make it through. And I held guilt about having to tap into formula. I mean, it's just all in my head. This is all just me just telling my therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, yeah. I, I get it. No, it's it's intense. I think that mentality of like, you know, oh my God, I've brought this person into the world and how can I do the absolute best to protect them in every way and what's my responsibility in that and is I don't know I'm just thinking about I was just with a new baby and her mom and the sort of volume of ta- like 
there was breastfeeding, there was formula. There were like a lot of different apps kind of helping her track it. And I don't know. It's intense. Motherhood's intense. intense. That's all I have to say. And the professor says, um, if you really do believe that breastfeeding is going to protect children from pretty much anything that could ever happen to them, it's almost impossible not to slip from breastfeeding is my choice. It's what I'm going to do to breastfeeding is an obligation. It's what everyone should do. But if you believe that breastfeeding has a modest impact on the impact of, on the risk of infection, then you can step back and say, hey, it's totally responsible for a family to weigh the modest reduction in the risk of infection against all other things that are going on in their lives and make their own decision. Because that's how we talk to ourselves, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and that's uh, when she and I spoke, the end of our conversation was, you know, if I had a third baby, uh, a, I'd be a single mother because someone would have left me. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but if I did, I would totally, I would totally try doing all this again. I loved breastfeeding. Yeah, me it, too. It did feel it was a super hassle, the whole lugging the milk back and forth and whatever. But I did love getting home at night and being with my baby. Like I would totally do it again. I just want to be informed and I don't want to be bullied into it. That's yeah. all I'm saying, you know? No, I think that's right. I think that's that's what we all want. It's just, right? you it's know, just, it's... Just to do it, our, yeah. do it informed, you know? Yeah, do it, do the best that we can, yeah. And And have the information so that we can actually make truly informed decisions and not just be, you know... Because seriously, right. if you tell me that this stuff is going to, you know, make my baby Superman... Lynn, I'm the, not only am I a good mother, there's no other choice. How can I not do this? Exactly. Exactly. No, no, it's true. Oh, so I know. So the thing about this too, though, is beyond the individual mom and, and dad, you know, and, and the like, and, and also, by the way, we're not even talking about families where like, you know, you had a situation there are 8 million variations of situations. And so to start out and to feel any guilt in already, a, you know, a difficult time when we can't sleep because baby's up all night mm-hmm. and you worry about what you're doing is right. It's like, can we take one weight off the scale and say, you're doing okay. You know, you're making it happen. You are doing the best for your baby without right. like putting an added thumb of guilt on it. Actually, we can't. Mom guilt is real and it's, you know, seemingly how our economy works. But this kind of thinking impacts how policies are made. And so the Affordable Care Act that I had referenced before, so the Affordable Care Act does support breast pumping in a sense because it requires, you know, a certain level, certain size of employers to provide time and space for women to pump. And then later, Senator uh, Mikulski mm-hmm. of Maryland pushed through an amendment to provide free breast pumps to women, which, by the way, I can't even imagine because that, that comes long after I needed one. Those breast pumps are expensive. So, yeah. like, yay. Yeah. But. I'll be what, honest. I bought a used one. Did you really? like? I did. Because the actual machine is just a I mean, machine. All the tubes just, were new. All the tubes yeah. were new. But, yeah, I bought a used one. Do you know, um, so my, my first pump, I had the, uh, Medela pump and style. Yeah. I'm a stylish course, woman. Pump and style. It looked like a little like bowling bag. 
it was black and it was, yep. had its curved top and yep, it I was very stylish. It was stolen. I used to keep it under my oh. desk in the newsroom that I worked in and someone took it and my employer was nice enough to get me a new one, which was lovely of them. They unnecessary, you know, they didn't have to, they did it. It was very lovely. But can you imagine someone thinking that they got, you know, woohoo, somebody's, and then realizing it's a breast pump? Oh, you win, dude. oh my well, God. So here's the thing with the Affordable Care Act, though, is that while yeah. the employers must give you the break, they don't have to pay you for them. And there's very little enforcement available if they even refuse to give you a break. So we want these women, these new moms to breastfeed, but we, you know, in true U.S. fashion, we give them very little support right. to actually do it. So, and she... <laughs> Professor Jung says, if you want me to breastfeed exclusively for six months, then you need to give me six months of maternity leave, period, the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, period, the end. I agree with that. Yeah. So it's, um, let's start you out, new mom, and put this guilt on you to do this thing. Push it, push it, push it with this wonderful marketing message of breast at best. I mean, this is- That's gold. That's like plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. That is some really great marketing. But we're not going to give you anything. And you know, they've tied, they'll tie public assistance to whether or not you're breastfeeding. You get more if you're breastfeeding and less if you move to formula. Like this stuff, the ramifications, because we all believe it and we believe it to be an obligation. It Mm -hmm. ripples out to you whether you feel it or, you know, whether you realize where the pressure is coming from or not. It just becomes rule. It becomes law. Yeah. And so it doesn't seem, you know, it's like pump. I guess the first thing, and and I, I find it so fascinating that I had done working mother for a long time and always had referred to it as breastfeeding. And until talking to the good professor, didn't tie in the breast pumping with the breastfeeding, you know, like that, mm. that they were together and apart, you know, yeah. that why do we all pump? And that pumping was an really an American thing. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the revenue is here in America for breast pumps, which I'm all for breast pumps. You know, it, I, I use them and all that sort of jazz, but why do we have breast pumps a lot in this country? Because we send mothers back to work and we don't give them, paid maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and true. that women who do then try to pump at work, oh, have we talked about breast pumping harassment? You know, like yeah. giving them a hard time for uh, when they do try to pump and they do try to keep it going. You know, again, as with having a sick kid or a sick spouse or right. need, it, it just depends on how supportive your employer is. It's like, yeah. once again, the employer lottery. Exactly. Well, so yeah. with your new mom groups, did they stick with breastfeeding? Because I'm assuming they came in wanting to do it because 83% of them do. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think my goal wasn't to ask that question necessarily. Right. right. So I can't answer that question because I did it. You know, I think, yeah. I think a lot of people just tried to continue breastfeeding, but, but it was, it exp- Expressly, for lack of a better word, was not something that I wanted folks to feel like they had to talk about with other people. 
because I didn't want that judgment in the mix. So I don't know. You know, one of the things we asked early on, and I think we were still asking because it was an easy question to ask, but where did you give a map when we were assessing companies, best companies for working mothers, did you get a, a map to where the pumping rooms are? Did you have pumping rooms? Do you give them a map and do they have locks on the door? And <laughs> so you think it's like, well, duh, but the rooms that I pumped in never had locks. They were conference rooms. Mm, yeah. And, you know, like it was always just a fingers crossed that no one would come in because they hadn't booked the room. I would go around and ask the receptionist on every floor if they had an empty. I would start at the top floor, like floor six, and work my way down until I got to an empty conference room. And by the way, this is what HR told me to do. Right. This was the plan. So yeah, that's how it looked. So it, which is, I don't know, it, the, it, the whole dichotomy, the paradox of putting guilt on parents, it just never surprises me. I mean, or it mm. always surprises me that yeah. it just never ends. The like, you should do this. You must do this. Oh, we're not going to help you do it. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. But again, <sighs> I look back on that yeah. period fondly. Sure. Know? Me too. Yeah. Except yeah. the biting, which will be a whole nother episode. Right. We'll just complain yeah, that's about another. <laughs> so, yes. Exactly. So, you know, the, the twist ending is breast could be best. You know, it does, yeah. breast milk does, does some great things. We know uh, some of those studies are really old and on really small cohorts because yeah. you'll be surprised to hear it's really tough to, you know, track things that tiny newborns are doing and their moms and all that sort of jazz. But, well, you know, bringing yeah. us back to maybe apps are going to transform that. Like the, the, ex yeah, just there is apps where tracking, you know, I think they've just become a lot more sophisticated tracking the feeding. So that might be able to, to do, to help that. The, and seeing baby and, weights and baby infection. Like if you could tie medical records to, they'll be able to yeah. see things if they can anonymize the, the data for stuff. Yeah, exactly. There, I think there will be a lot of data at some point soon. And then the, it's the thing of figuring out the breast pumping business will be more difficult. Like, are you, warming the milk in the right way are you know the, there's a lot of variables you can't account for but mm -hmm. i do think we need to study the impact of expressed milk that is frozen and warmed up again could do nothing yeah. could be completely fine it could be whatever but we need to know these things because you know god forbid we're just wasting our time on that part you know mm. what I mean? you know yeah i don't know but there's still much to know about it but yes, I would love to. And then uh, let's not guilt people who use formula, please. <laughs> you know? No, let's not. Let's and, not. and ourselves, guilt ourselves, because I know I felt it when I used it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely, yeah, there's a lot there. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a very complicated emotional topic, for sure. And on the flip side, though, totally glad I have teens now and I don't have to think about these things. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> That is good. <laughs> That's a bonus of teens. So we, we move on to other things like college applications and tuition. And it's a whole other thing. We'll be doing, should we do that? Should we do a whole episode on the Common App? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> on the FAFSA form, Common App, and CSS profile? Oh God. No, not let's really. not. <laughs> That's too <No>. depressing. <laughs> well, thank you for talking with me about breasts. 
Thank you. Thank you. This has been the best. (laughs) And as we love to say, keep hustling. Keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.